This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Getting ready for week 14. Saints, Panthers, 1-11, and verse 5-7, baby. You can combine the wins and it's still not. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good, but... We have a familiar face slash voice here with us, Desmond Johnson, joining Inside Black and Gold here. He's the co-host of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with Jonathan Stewart. He's also the owner slash operator of Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. You know, it feel, we had you on for week two. We talked about this Panthers team and this Saints team, and there was all these pie-in-the-sky ideas of how things might go. Like Frank Reich, you know, jury's still out. Not anymore. The jury is. <laughs> Rendered a verdict, and it is not a not a happy one for Frank. He's gone. You know, you're talking about the special teams coach coaching the interim. It's second year in a row we've gotten to the second Saints matchup, and it's not the same coach that started the year. Uh, so, wow. Jess, how, you feel? <laughs> yeah. how how are things going out in Panthers land right now? Oh, you know, um, the sun's out. Everything's you know <laughs> shiny. Um, it, I feel like we're in a, we're in like uh, Groundhog's Day because I feel like our games are the same game like every week, and then me and Stu and Skyler will get on on Tuesdays live and we'll talk about it, and we'll pretty much have to say the same thing and you know just wait and see on Bryce and all this other stuff, and then we get back to the next Sunday and the same thing happens again, <laughs> and this has been like for really since the last time we saw you guys, so this has been going on for like ten weeks or so, like where it's literally like the game you watched against us in week two is literally going to be similar to the game you're probably going to see on Sunday, unless you guys do something different, because we're not going to do anything different at all. Like our, uh, <laughs> our offense now ran by Thomas Brown, who had it pre well, briefly for about three weeks uh, before Frank Wright yanked the, the, uh, the joystick back to try to save his job and land the plane. And he was unsuccessful. <laughs> so now Thomas Brown has the plane again and it looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's the same plane. So it doesn't really matter the stuff that we're not doing pre-snap movement, committing to something. Are we a run team? Are we a pass team? Like, what are we? Like, what what are we doing? It's just, it's like they're drawing plays in the dirt and just sending them out there. They're just running plays. And uh, I was talking to Joe Person last night, actually. Uh, he's on my uh, my pod, Franchise Players. The full episode will drop Friday. The segment is out now. You can go to YouTube, 
facebook.com uh, forward slash at tobacco road sports radio and see the segment with me and Joe. It's about 20, 23 minutes where we talk about the article he just put out on the athletic from him and Diana Rossini. Is he with the athletic now? I know he was yeah, he's been with the, he was with the Charlotte observer. He was the beat writer right. for the, the Panthers for the longest left there to go to the athletic and picked up right. the beat for okay. the Panthers with them. So he's more of a national Panther writer now and him and Diana Rossini put this article together that dropped on Wednesday about the Panthers uh, a bit of a bombshell. We kind of knew, but it wasn't confirmed. Just kind of a lot of backstabbing going on in the, the coaching staff. It, it, it almost sounds like there was two different factions going on uh, in the building. So it explains a whole lot. Because if you watch the Panthers' offense in particular, it looked like they just weren't on the same page, like literally, like all year. And then come to find out they weren't on the same page, like the entire year. Wright gone, Josh McCown, the quarterback coach, gone. Deuce Staley, the running back coach, gone. They all had some sort of affiliation with Frank Wright, or they came because of Frank Wright. Interim head coach now is Chris Tabor, who was a special teams coach and was actually a holdover from the Matt Rule era that owner David Tepper wanted to keep. Um, So there's a lot of dysfunction going on here because normally you don't see that. When you bring in a new coach, they kind of pick their own guys and go from there. They told Frank they wanted him to branch out and bring in guys that he had not worked with before, which should have been a red flag. He did that, and then the communication-wise – You've got like five different offenses in the same room trying to figure out how to run an offense with a rookie quarterback. And uh, Carolina Panthers, <laughs> that's kind of where we are. So, <laughs> so I, I happened upon that article as well. And, you know, my only issue is I'm not sure that anyone who is involved in this story has ever watched the Hunger Games. Because they described it as like, oh, it's like the Hunger Games. And I was like, do you, you know what happens in those books slash movies? They kinda, like, they are you suggesting that, that they, are, they, they are having their children fight to the death? <laughs> that would be something. He kind of put, Joe kind of put it more like, um, yeah, it was, it, it kind of became jockeying for position. Like yeah, once the yeah. assistant coaches realized that Frank's time was like coming up, mm-hmm. they started trying to salvage their own jobs pretty much. This is all going on in the middle of the season and like right. during the planning week for a game. And like they're just trying to, there's stuff where, they were sending text messages beyond Frank Wright to Scott Fitter and David Tepper about how now this is something I was actually adamant on on Twitter and got got blitzed for it like two or three weeks ago. I went on Twitter during the middle of a Panther game and I, was, I just made an observation. I was like, you know what? Bryce really climbed the pocket. Like, you know, when you watch him play, it's always shotgun. He takes a step or two back after he gets it and then he just kind of throws it from where he is. He doesn't he doesn't drop back to give himself space, which you would think at this time he would, because he's getting harassed every third play. Like you would think he'd be looking for it at this point, but he doesn't. And he didn't even climb up in the pocket unless he's being chased. And I, I got called everything in the book by uh, Panthers, Twitter. They're like, well, where is he supposed to go? Like, dummy, like there, there's people in his lap, like every play and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I get that. The offensive line is trash, but there are times where Bryce has a couple of seconds to kind of dissect what's going on. And he still misses wherever he's supposed to go, or there's somebody running open or whatever it might be. So uh, that got brought up. The the coaches, the Panther coaches on the staff were noticing that he wasn't dropping back far enough. And they decided that instead of going directly to Frank Wright, they passed the message along further up the ladder around Frank Wright until he got to the, the top at David Tepper. David Tepper comes down and in his Tuesday meeting with Frank Wright tells him, hey, you know what? I think uh, Bryce needs to drop back a little bit more like on his on his passes. Like, this is all ha- like I'm not making this is literally what's happening. Like, <laughs> like the, the owners tell me, you know, I need to drop back a little bit. And then when it didn't happen, <laughs> two weeks later, Frank Wright's fired. So literally there is dysfunction <laughs> in Carolina right now. 
I don't know if it's any better because some of those folks are still here, but all this points to David Tepper and to an extent, general manager, Scott Fitter. Um, but more and more so as the days go by, we're seeing David Tepper is running the Panthers like a hedge fund. Like he literally, like if he feels like there's a problem here, he tries to get out as soon as he can. He doubles down on things that he really likes. And then when it backfires, he dumps it out. Like he, he has ran this franchise like a hedge fund for the past six years. And this is what we have to show for it. Yeah, how much uneasiness is there with the fan base with him uh, considering how much turnover there and turmoil, tur- turnover and turmoil for the Panthers has been? We we are we are marching solidly towards the worst season in Panthers history, like mm-hmm. easily. Um, yeah. And I asked that to Joe, too, because Joe picked up the beat in 2010, which was one of the ones that were one of the worst, the Jimmy Clausen year, uh, the year before we drafted Cam Newton. Um, yeah. But that and 2001 – where we went one and 15, we won our first game, Minnesota, and then lost the next 15. Chris Winkie was the uh, quarterback then. That was the end of the George Seifert era. So it was kind of turning the page from the expansion Panthers on to the John Fox era. The Cam Newton, well, the Jimmy Clausen 2010 year, they went two and 14. Uh, the difference there was it was Jimmy Clausen. Like they had a bunch of injuries, but they had talent on the team. Jonathan Stewart was on the team, D'Angelo Williams was on the team. Steve Smith was on the team. Jordan Gross was the left tackle. Thomas Davis was on the defense. Like, you you had pieces. So, really, that was the team you could parachute a quarterback in and go, and that's what they did with Cam Newton. This year might be the worst because you've got the, the best of both of those years combined. And even if they go 1-16, they're not getting their first-round pick. It's with Chicago. Right. So, that's right. what makes it even worse, that you can't even – build off of the sorrow like it's just (laughs) it's literally you're watching this whole is you're watching your house on fire and there's nothing you can do about it you're just watching it burn from the top down and the fire trucks aren't coming no one's coming and you're just standing there watching it and it's a helpless feeling especially for a panther content creator because it's like you gotta you gotta find things to keep it interesting you know and this is the first week of december and we're already sitting there trying to figure out well what are we going to do who would you pick if you had the number one pick like, stuff like that like i don't know i i don't know man and fitter is still here <laughs> fitter is still here like that's that that's where we're at right now so yeah you know and it's it's like it's kind of like the saints last year which is like you know a tank is i think a lot of fans would be like you know what this sucks but i understand like 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 not necessarily openly tanking but like you know, creating a situation where you could potentially draft your next franchise quarterback right. is like an acceptable scenario for like the like the the Colts the year uh, Peyton Manning went down. They just dropped all the way to the bottom. Yeah, they got Andrew Luck and they came back up. Right, but like that's it, it's it's ne- it, it can be passively the plan, but when you trade away your future first round pick, you know that wasn't the plan. It couldn't have possibly been the plan because no. if it was the plan then you would have just done it without trading away your future first round pick. Like you didn't need to trade your future, your future first round pick to be the worst team in the NFL. You could have done that for, for any price. Panthers had practice you at know? that. Like they, oh. yeah, they didn't need to, to, you know, push all the chips in exactly. the middle of the table. It, it shows they told us what they wanted. Like Scott Fitter was very adamant that when they, cause someone asked about, you know, trading off that first round pick. And he was like, well, we're not planning on picking in the top 10 for like the next, you know, however many years, like right. that's, we, we're not expecting to pick, and a, a high pick anyway. So for us, it's like giving away a high second. 
And I'm well, like, the funny hmm, thing is you, you okay. brought up the Jimmy Clausen <laughs> thing, right? Like everyone yeah. re- thinks of Jimmy Clausen and they're like, oh, the, the golden gobbler or whatever, like the, like the turkey. Jimmy Pickles. Jimmy Pickles Jimmy is what we call him here. Yeah. Uh, but like so. we, we could pretend like, wow, that was just a, that was just a whatever pick. That was a second round pick. Yeah. He was supposed to be like, like people are like, oh, you draft a guy in the second round. That should be a starter eventually. Maybe not right away. But like, it's like they could have done that. Who's the, um, the ESPN, uh, Mel Kuyper. Mel yeah. Kuyper was so high on uh, Jimmy Clausen. I still remember that to this day. Like he, Jimmy Clausen's arm or whatever, biggest find of all time. And, uh, <laughs> and two and fourteen later, it was like mm. <laughs> maybe not. No, right. And it's just it's just funny because like that was a similar scenario that you found you find yourself in right now. Except the difference is you took him in the second round, and the next year you were able to go get Cam Newton, and that changed everything. Yep. That you could have done that this year. Yep. <laughs> the next year you'd be like, wow, I got Caleb Williams. All right, we reset. <laughs> For like uh, for like your fans that are like uh, Marvel fans that understand like time travel and like going back in time and changing things and stuff. If we could go back on the timeline for the Carolina Panthers and like change something that would ripple across the rest of it. Yeah, either I would have either let Ron Rivera have another year because literally his last year here, he went through like five quarterbacks or whatever. Cam got hurt. Uh, and yeah. then it was just Kyle Allen and like Heineke and all these dudes that just, yeah, I would have given him a year to try to fix the roster. He was a two-time coach of the year. Like he deserved that and Tepper fired him <laughs> in the middle of the season. Um, the Christian McCaffrey trade is now looking back on it was so un- unnecessary. Like it was a knee jerk reaction and it had, you got to look at where, where it happened. It happened the week after they fired Matt Rule. Like yeah. we were in the middle of the season. Steve Wilkes had just became the interim and you trade off your best player. So the whole league, remember, they're thinking, oh, the Panthers are about to have a fire sale because they traded off Christian McCaffrey. Right. What do they do? Nothing else. <laughs> they just well, traded off McCaffrey. And then they just, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Why did you trade off your best player? That was made by a tanking team that then decided we don't have to tank. Yeah, we can win. We can win we like can this. Win. And, and, and then it was like, but if you thought you could win, then why didn't you keep the dude that would have helped you win? Right. <laughs> anyway, so to me, it's like at the end of the day, right? If you feel like you got the right quarterback at number one, you can live with it because you know what? Bryce Young is the future and we're going to build around him. The question I have, and I think the question <laughs> a lot of people have is, is Bryce Young that guy, right? Like, I think everyone's kind of sold on C.J. Stroud, and I, mm. I thought we should pick C.J. Stroud personally. I said that multiple times, but the Panthers were, you know, oh, give me give me Bryce. We're going to go get Bryce. We're going to pay a premium and go get him. So I guess so the Frank Reich, apparently. That was one of the rumors. Uh, those yeah, right. He didn't want Frank Bryce. You know, he wanted C.J. Stroud. Right. And David Tepper and his word salad, he didn't really help with any of this because when he had his weird press conference the day after they fired Frank Wright, where he basically told the reporters, you can speculate on why I did it, and, <laughs> and then answered no questions. He answered yeah. something about bringing concerts to Charlotte, <laughs> and then he left. And like, we're like, you didn't answer anything. Why You just wasted all of our time. Right, but right. He, he said something when they drafted him on draft night that most of Panthers media has kind of skipped over, and I'm starting to bring it back out now because I noticed it when he said it, but I was so – into them being so aggressive because normally we're not aggressive like they were when they traded up for Bryce. I'm like, I'm not, I like this. I'm here for it. But if you remember, it was Scott Fitter and it was uh, Frank Wright. They're at the podium. They just traded up for Bryce. They just picked them. They're talking to the media. And then randomly, like David Tepper shows up from like behind a curtain or something behind the, the, the stage and just starts talking like he's not even on the stage. He's like on the floor and he's like explaining to the reporters how they got uh, Bryce Young. And he said it in there that they were going to take C.J. Stroud at two. Like, they had Houston and Chicago in a three-way deal. They were going to move up with Houston, and they were prepared to take C.J. Stroud. But then Houston dragged their feet, 
And they decided, and David Tapper being the hedge fund manager that he is, was like, I'm not used to having to do this. I can just hit a button to do trades and my other things. So let's just talk to Chicago directly, give them what they want, pretty much. And that's kind of what happened. You lose DJ Moore, your number one wide receiver in it, and a first from last year, and the first for this year, and the second in 2025. You give all that to Chicago to move up for Bryce. And what were they? Where were they originally? Uh, Nine. And they moved up eight spots. So they're at nine. Um, and he he said something in his press conference. He said, basically, the reason why they settled on Bryce was that they looked at him as a potential point guard. And they figured that with Bryce being a point guard and a great distributor, that they would be able to spend less money on skill position players like wide receiver and running back and tight end because Bryce would be able to equally distribute the ball to everyone. He said this out loud in a press conference right after they drafted Bryce Young. And we all skipped past it. Like, none of us really honed in on it. And looking at the season now, what he said in April, that is exactly what he did with the Carolina Panthers. Signing DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst, a 33-year-old Adam Thielen. Like, they went cheap on the skill position players because they thought that Bryce could just Steph Curry this thing up and they would be fine. And he's realizing now you can't build a team that way. And carnage and chaos later this is what we got but it made me go back to what he said in april that everybody skipped over and now i'm looking at this roster i'm like you know what he didn't lie to us at all he did exactly what he said he wanted to do and the reason behind drafting bryce so to answer your question is bryce the right quarterback i don't know i don't know right. if they know like they they haven't put him in a position for us to find out he hasn't had a game like even cam had a game rookie year really his first game where he played, and you're like, that's why we drafted him number one. Like, that stuff, what he's doing right there, he's a unicorn. Like, at number one, you should be doing stuff that the other players can't do. Right. I haven't seen that from Bryce this year, to be honest. He's played okay, but he hasn't had a game, a Bryce Young game, like a 300-yard, four-touchdown, put-the-team-on-my-back type game. He hasn't had that. I don't know if he has the ability to do that yet, and a lot of that's the coaching staff in the front office. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, right, and it's like, it, did you just is it like, are you calling him a point guard because that's the only position that a short player can play in the NBA? And that's that's what David Tepper called him. <laughs> so, yeah, right, that's, right. Tepper, that's what he called him. So I, I don't well, know. It, it's funny too because it's like I, I watched Bryce Young play, and then a week later I watched Jordan Love play, and they're mm-hmm. stylistically they're similar guys. They're you know I, I think Jordan Love's a little taller, but like they can move around there, but they're not runners. Yeah. They have a beautiful arm, but. It's like, is that all it takes at the NFL level to be able to throw the passes? No, it's like, you got, I got more than that. And that's why you look at C.J. Stroud, and it's like people are excited about C.J. not because of just the way he throws the ball, but the way he he approaches the game and the way he you know he approaches situations. And he's it's like, vocal. He's, he's, yes. he's more of a leader than I thought he was because I didn't really hear him a lot at Ohio State, but he's very confident in himself yeah. too, which I love, um, and his abilities. And he's in the right situation. Houston – Everyone forgets the haul they got from Cleveland for trading off Deshaun Watson in the first place. That's why he has Tankdale. That's why he has some of these pieces around him rookie year. Carolina didn't have that luxury. We gave it all away. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, take right. all of this. We don't want any of it. So well, that's why like Saints fans are like, oh, we, we should do, we should like, why don't we do what the Texans did? And I'm like, because you don't like, yeah, the Saints should totally trade their Deshaun Watson, right? What? Yeah. No, yeah. Like, yeah. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, but, you know, this isn't, you know, this has been all about Bryce Young, but I'm curious, like there is a lot more going on with this Panthers team. And so, you know, a lot of Saints fans obviously watched that game in week two and we saw the team operate in specific ways. Obviously, they still run the ball a lot. But what, you know, what's different about this team coming into the Superdome now in terms of their offensive defensive approach? Obviously, they got some key players back on defense uh, compared to what, you know, the, that game in week two. Like, is it is it the same team? Is it the same approach? What, what, are, what should people expect? <sighs> Um, <laughs> defense-wise, <laughs> defense-wise, this is the healthiest they've been probably since week two. So you will you will see J.C. Horn and guys that you didn't see because J.C. Horn got hurt week one. He hadn't been back on the field since last week. So Horn's back. C.J. Henderson was in uh, concussion protocol for a couple of weeks. I think he played last week. Uh, they're getting healthier. So yeah. on that end, the defense might be a problem. And they've basically kept Carolina in games all year. So the defense has been a bright spot. Going back to Joe's article, uh, the defensive side of the coaching staff were all dudes pretty much that worked under Ejiro Ivaro before. So they had kind of cohesion already where he brought in his dudes, and it shows on the field. The defense looks like they're playing really well. Offensively, they're still a hot mess. Like, they're not really – they kind of figured out they could use Thielen or uh, Bryce figured out he could use Thielen as a safety valve about middle way through the year. But I guess either he or the coaching staff didn't anticipate that the other side would look at that, too, and go, oh, if we just double Thielen, then they have no place else to go. And that's literally what's happened the past two weeks. Adam Thielen's completely disappeared from the offense because the defense just took him out. And then uh, the other wide receivers, DJ Chark, uh, Jonathan Mingo had a pretty good game last week. Um, there, he was a little looser, like um, in terms of Bryce. He was under center. Uh, early on in the game would set up play action, which we've been screaming for. But Bryce apparently is not comfortable under center. He didn't really play it at Alabama or Matter Day uh, for that matter. So he's not really used to being under center. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I would expect by this point, this would be week two, that they'll start throwing some wrinkles in uh, off of what they because it looked like base vanilla last week that they were just trying to re see what can we use in Frank's playbook that would actually work for us. And now I think maybe this week you might see more pre-snap motion. You might see more play action. You might see more RPO, which Bryce ran a lot at Alabama, but they stayed away from here. Um, you might start seeing some of those elements come in. Thomas Brown was a former running back uh, for Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. So he, I would imagine they're going to heavily rely on the run game. Chuba Hubbard's emerged as the number one uh, running back. Miles Sanders, just throw him away. I don't know why they keep trying to use him at this point. Yeah, but. what that's got to be one of the biggest disappointments considering the signing there. They, they spent money on him. Yeah, uh, $25 million for, I think, four years or something like that. And then yeah. – you tried to stick him in an offense that was running downhill like smash mouth of the offensive line. And you tried to switch the entire thing on the offensive line, which is why they've looked horrible. So it's uh square peg round hole pretty much for a lot of the stuff on the offense. If, if you guys score 18 points, you're going to win the game. That's literally what it comes down to. You, Cause we can't that's a score. problem for us too. though. <laughs> we can't score more than that. Like we have proven it. Like we cannot get past 18. And if we do, it's probably a defensive score or something that happened. Like we just are physically unable to get more than that, really more than a touchdown a game, and then some uh, field goals pretty much added on to it. So if you guys get past 18 before us, breathe easy. It's it's probably a wrap. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Sounds like a, a lot of similar frustrations in the division here between the uh, between the division mates. It, it's it's just funny to hear you talk about you know the dismay and obviously the fan base is being you know so distraught. We had the the big thing here this week was this past weekend was you know the fans booing when Derek Carr got back on the field, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, when Taysom, you know, coming yeah. back to replace with the usage with Taysom. Oh, and no. it, it's just funny how that became this huge talking point of, about fans actually booing the team. It's like, that's what happens when you suck. Yeah. That's literally <laughs> the fans well, ain't here for this. <laughs> actually. So I, I do. So this is what it just, I don't know if you follow this, but this is what happened. So Derek Carr would come out, Taysom would come in, everyone would cheer. Right. And then hey, Taysom would go back out, Derek would come in, and everyone would boo. And it was like, I, I reported on from the sideline, and it was like, it's rare that you know exactly who's being booed, right? Usually, <laughs> it'll be like this broad-based boo, and you're like, well, they're unhappy, and they're mad at everybody. But you can't say, like, well, they're booing that guy specifically. In this case, it's very obvious. And, yeah. But I am curious, so Panthers fans, has that, like, it's kind of like when you expect things to be a lot better than they are, and they're not, you're upset. But when you expect things to be kind of bad, and then they're worse. How mad do you get? So I am curious. Has there been booing? How is the fan base? Have they kind of revolted? Oh. You know, obviously they kind of fired South Carolina as part of their organization. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they do. You did kind of shoot no, them out. No, this <laughs> no I, actually, I've been kind of surprised that the Panther fan base hasn't been as uh, virtual, well, like, like viral as they have been in the past. Because um, mm-hmm. we've been going through it. This isn't the first time we've had to deal with some nonsense like this with the Panthers. Just maybe at this level. Of mediocrity but i think they i think the fan base is smart enough to realize this isn't really bryce's fault so because he would be the first one you'd probably think that we get booed uh but they're seeing what's happening like they're literally seeing them have like all the two seconds to throw a football like so many times <laughs> sitting at home bryce has got the snap and he's looking off to the right and you can literally see the dude coming off the left side <laughs> behind him like this like coming like like at him and you could see yeah. it from your TV and you're so you're like, no, Bryce, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And like, he has no awareness that it's coming and he might step out a couple steps or he might just get killed right there. But Bryce young is yet to run away from uh, any kind of sack <laughs> like this year. Like if it's coming, you see it happening two seconds before it does before him. And then it actually goes down. So they haven't really booed him. I think they were booing Frank Wright towards the end. And that's probably why Tepper went ahead and did it. Cause I feel like Tepper sits in his basement and just watches Panther Twitter and makes his decisions <laughs> off of it. If you look at everything he's done, it's all been off of Twitter. Like oh, man. Uh, we, we need to cut, we need to trade Christian McCaffrey. He's injury prone. Like why Five. he's overpaid. Oh, you know, let's get Christian McCaffrey out of here. Oh wait, they're having a fire sale. No, no, I don't want to do that. Like let's hold on to everybody here. Brian Burns has been, yeah. Uh, shopped and then not shopped. The Rams have been by twice <laughs> with two first round picks for Brian Burns. And both times we've said no. David Tepper has yet to pay any player for the Carolina Panthers any significant amount of money in the six years he's been here, except for Christian McCaffrey, who they signed to the extension after Cam got cut, Luke Keekley retired, uh, Thomas Davis got cut. That whole 2015 team that was still here, Jordan Gross retired. They ran them all off pretty much. Ron Rivera got fired. And they kept McCaffrey to be the face of the franchise and gave him all that money. And then two years later, they trade him off for nothing, really. So there's nobody that he's given up a, a bunch of money to. Brian Burns should have already been done with his deal. And he's still sitting here not paid. And now you run the risk of him not wanting to be here. Like, he don't even know. His co- this is going to be a sixth coach in six years. Like, and no winning record. I don't even think Brian Burns is going to want to be here uh, next year. So oh, that's brutal. It's a mess, dude. Like, we are 
it's end times here uh <laughs> carolina like it's just so bad like the hunger games around yeah, you're gonna have to actually have the kids start have to have the kids start fighting <laughs> each other to the death it's the only way to that might be more entertaining than what we're watching on sunday like just let the players kids just battle it out uh on the field or something so man <laughs> this is, ugh, i got five more weeks of this too this is, <laughs> it's great <laughs> Well, that's it's you know it's funny because like if the Saints lose to the Panthers, right? And I think that's like you know I think the Saints front office and you know we've been talking for a while, so we'll let you go eventually. But the Saints front office has been we'll let them go pretty adamant on like we're not giving up on the season. We still got everything. It's like yeah, sure you could win your last five games and get to ten and seven. You, that could happen, or you could show up at home in front of a fan base that's like a tinderbox and lose to the one and 11 Panthers. And then you don't, don't want to be that team. Yeah. You yeah. this to people then that's <laughs> the problem now for the opposing teams. You don't want to be the team that gives the Panthers their second win. Like don't uh-huh. be that team. Cause the whole story the next week will be how good is such and such. They lost to the Panthers. The Panthers don't even know how to get in their own arena half the time right now. Like it's just, you don't want to be that team. I think the Saints should have enough. Like I, I haven't looked at the injury report or anything, but, just show up. <laughs> you guys just show up. You no, that's, that's, a problem. that's a problem early in games for this team. They don't yeah. show up early on. That's, but I think that's what I'm worried about. Because if they don't show up and they yeah, lose, the early starts, we need like a real ugly. Yeah, we need at least a quarter to get going in New Orleans for some reason. I don't know. So we're going to get another rock fight. That's what you're telling me. Because that's, that's all we know uh, this season is just rock fights in Charlotte. So it'll be a close game. We'll get to the start of the fourth. The Saints will be up by like seven or three. We'll be like, oh, this is a real tight game. And then Bryce will either throw an interception. There'll be a, a strip sack fumble or a wide receiver. Somebody will put it on the ground. You guys will get the ball. You'll ice the game. We'll look at the box score. And it'll be like, oh, that was a pretty close game. But in actuality, if you had to sit there and watch the whole three and a half hours, you're going to be like, that. not only was that not a close game, it was a horrible game. Like, it was a horrible game to watch. And I blame the Panthers for all of it. Like, they were responsible for this nonsense. <laughs> so... I'm just getting you prepared. Like you're going to think back on this around about 4:30 on Sunday. Like you know what? You kind of explain what was going to happen. This was a really bad game. Like I said, <laughs> like, the, the whole vibe you're giving us and the feeling. I'm. I'm it's. It's very familiar. It's very familiar. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I need to go back and listen to like the week two. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, it was so optimistic. Like we. Oh yeah. man, the whole world was in front of us and yeah. <laughs> smashed. Yeah. We have come. We have come full circle. Yeah. All right, so this has been Desmond Johnson. Thanks so much for hanging out, host of the Believe in Canther. Can- did it again. I said Canthers, full-time. The, the Believe in Carolina Panthers <laughs> podcast. He co-hosted with former NFL running back Jonathan Stewart. He's also the owner-operator of TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Thanks so much, Des. Appreciate the time, and uh, good luck. <laughs> yes, yeah, the time. <laughs> Say, at least you guys are still kind of in a position to maybe win the division. Uh, I mean, you might only need seven wins to win this division, so... God bless may, it. Yeah, just may the odds <laughs> be in your favor. That's the thing. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's the problem right now. You're you're not good enough, and also you're not shitty enough. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're like in this weird gray area where it's yeah. like we don't know where to put you. <laughs> Let's put you right here. So, Maybe good luck, guys. Just, hopefully, everybody gets out of the game healthy. And I just want right. a good game. Like I don't even want the win at this point. Just I just want to be entertained for three and a half hours so I can forget about the rest of the world, and then I'll worry about that after four thirty on Sunday. I just hope all the kids have a good time out there. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. I hope everyone has fun. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank so much. Guys. Uh, let, let us know where, where, where can folks follow you on Twitter so they can get all this great insight from. Uh, I'm so glad you called it Twitter because I refuse to call it X. Like, yeah. I'm just going to keep it Twitter Forever. until somebody buys it from Elon and changes it all back <laughs> anyway. Um, you can find me there at uh, DEZ underscore 3505. You can follow Tobacco Road uh, Sports Radio there at Tobacco Radio. Go find the channel on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, all Carolina-centric stuff from Panthers to Charlotte Hornets, NASCAR, auto racing, all the stuff that, that's covered here. We kind of do it on a more targeted uh, slant, even high school stuff here in the triad. So definitely if you're a sports fanatic and you live in North Carolina and you want something that's a little bit more focused on where you are, come check us out over at uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Keep pounding. Oh, oh, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks again. Des Johnson. Check him out. TobaccoWorldSportsRadio.com or the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, even though that name is kind of tough when there's no belief left in the Carolina Panthers but you know I don't I don't that was a long segment so we can just we can just drop it off right here but I do think that you know what the when you're one and 11 you know like Saints fans are miserable because they think the team should be better and you know they're five and seven things haven't gone well and they had a weak schedule and they haven't taken advantage of it (laughs) it's a whole different world when you're one and 11 you don't have a first round pick (laughs) and I think uh, we heard a lot from Des too about the internal you know, dysfunction that's been going yeah. on and I, Saints fans have to see that that is not the case on airline drive over there. There's not that much dysfunction, at least I, I don't think so, honestly, well, that we're aware of. And, and that's why you see so much of that turnaround constantly happening there. Every team has some level of dysfunction, right? And like, that's normal. That's how it works. Like, these are all human beings doing a job and trying to get something done. It's a very high-stress environment. Things are going to happen. Things are going to break. But there's a point where it's so dysfunctional that you can no longer maintain that in-house. It gets out. And that's where I think the Saints have done a better job in terms of, like, you're 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 dealing with stuff, and the only thing that's really gotten out of hand is kind of Mike Thomas's Twitter account, right? You know, but but like that's a, just a good example of like that's the type of stuff when things are really going badly that you can't like that that just it leaks out. You can't you can't stop it, right? When people are going behind the head coach's back and doing this and that, it's like yeah. you know, anyway. it just it just seems like a whole nightmare situation there from yeah. the the top from the bottom, and then you look at. Obviously, now they're standings with limited draft capital. It's like, who, that's not a, a fantastic situation any new coach is going to be going into. Oh, I agree. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to do one more. We're going to do a quick segment on X Factors, all that good stuff like we always do. We wrap up this Friday edition with some preview of what we're looking for, what we want to see. So stick around on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Who dat? Let's go.